Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Push him down. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall. You're better than that. On Talk Sport. Let's get our guest list underway. It doesn't get bigger than this. Dillian White, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, mate. How's things with you guys? You guys all good? Yeah, we're, we're all good, good mate. mate. We're all good. We're all good. Um, now, obviously, we've we know now that the rematch is happening, November twenty first. We'll get we'll get mm-hmm. stuck into that. Mm-hmm. Um, off off your first professional loss, which came against uh, AJ. I remember speaking to mm-hmm. you about it, and obviously, you went to go and sort your shoulder out. Then you went off to Loughborough. You changed a lot of things in the camp, and obviously, that mm-hmm. was well, well paid off because of how much you've developed in that period mm-hmm. of time. Any changes this time round? Not really, not 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 really. It wasn't like I was getting out of class, I was getting out of box, I was I was I, was, I wasn't fit enough, I was injured. Nothing wasn't wrong. I was just made a little mistake, probably lapsing concentration. Obviously, Pavikin's very experienced, they used to experience in, in parts of the fight against me, obviously, you know, Olympic champion, Olympic um this world champion, hundreds of amateur fights. People forget I've only had seven amateur fights. So I'm still learning a job. I'm still making mistakes, you know, I'm still learning, but I'm a good fighter and I don't say I'm the best fighter. I'm a good fighter and a very adapted, adaptable fighter as well. So I just, just got to stay switched on and just do what I do best on the night. That's it. Do you, do you have any regrets, Dillian, about taking the fight? No, I, I don't regret nothing I do in my career, man, because let's be honest, I wasn't someone who was picked for the Olympics who was expected to do great. I wasn't someone with a big promoter, a big backing. You know? I mean, I just... Uh, yeah, I just came in as a guy from the street, and I've I've done I've done okay so far. I've beaten many top fighters of the top fighters, and that's one of the things different with me and other guys. I keep fighting top guys of the top guys. It's only a matter of time before you slip up or you will lose at some point. You know what I mean? So, mm. you know, I don't regret anything, man. Yeah, Dylan, we know that you was waiting over a thousand days for that WBC title shot. You kept putting that mandatory position on the line against top fighters. You put yeah. it on against Povetkin. I was with you all week, actually, in, it, um, in that fight camp. It was an unbelievable week. You, you virtually had the fight won. You said yourself, like a little lapse of con- concentration, threw a jab, he slipped inside. 
pulled out a shot from the gods, a shot that probably the best shot he's ever thrown in his career. How difficult is it for you now, Dillian, going straight back into that immediate rematch? I mean, are you are you confident going straight back into the immediate rematch, or is it something that you I'm, had to do? I'm not difficult because I'm not a coward. You know, I'm not a coward. A lot of people are cowards. They lose and they want to have one more fight, so their confidence is shot, and they want to. Like I'm listen, I say it all the time. I'll fight anyone anywhere anytime. I don't I don't care about about all this. A lot of people say, Oh, you shouldn't take the immediate rematch, you should have a warm up, you should do this. What for? Mm. I'm at that level. I show that all good I'm at the level. I was beating a, a royal champion an Olympic gold medalist every round of of the fight controlling fight at mid range, close range. I was out boxing my working him at what he does best. You know what I mean? I, I was controlling the fight, so yeah. You know, um, there's no pressure on me. There's no pressure on me. I could go and fight someone else. I could wait, but what's the point? Listen, I'm at the level. No one don't want to see me getting with some journeyman. What for? What do I learn from that? You know, I can't train for those fights, man. Yeah, well, you, I mean, you was you was winning the fight convincingly, wasn't it? You had him over four times. I'm sorry, you had him over twice in the fourth round. Povetkin walked back yeah. to the corner. I didn't think he was going to come back out for the fifth round. I think the corner said to him they'd give him one more round. Is that the reason why you've gone back into this one? Because I think you was like, listen, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think what you done last time was perfect. It was just a lapse of concentration. Will you do things pretty much the same in this contest, Dillian? Will you, will you stick to listen. the game plan that you had in the, in, in the original fight? I would do whatever it takes to get a win, a win. But I'm not going to come out and be like, oh, well, I got stopped last time, so I'm going to all of a sudden now box and run for 12 rounds. No, I'm coming to do maximum violence. And that's the difference between me and most guys. I come to fight, man. You know, you see me, you get me in trouble sometime. But what's the point? I don't have a career where I played it safe and I mm. uh, retired. And No, I want to fight the best people. And it's an entertainment business. you got to take risks. You know, the boxing is it's boxing, but it's entertainment as well. If you're just a guy that stays safe, stay being your jab, jab and hold, jab and run, no one don't really want to see that. You know, people, don't, it's about entertaining. you got to be an entertaining fighter. And that's what I'm, I'm here to do. I'm here to entertain and thrill the fans. You know, it might, might, might be at my own detriment sometimes, but so what? What was, it, what was it like fighting behind closed doors? It was all right. It was such a big fight. And it was such a fight where you need to be focused and tuned in on. I was just focused on the fight. I know the danger of the fight was. I know I was up against it. I know that people had been as the underdog going in the fight and I was ready enough to lose. So for me, I was focused and I was ready to go. When um, when a loss like that comes along, obviously medical suspensions come in and all that type of stuff. When are you allowed to uh, to spar again, mate? Is it um, this week? Are you allowed to get back in? Yeah, I can start sparring now. You know what I mean? But obviously... I'm responsible. I'm a smart guy. I'm not someone who's stupid and ignorant enough to think, oh, I just lose. I'm going to get straight back in there because yeah. of my, my ego and, and and whatever. I'm smart. I have been training, but I ain't start sparring. I'm probably not going to start sparring for another two weeks. I've got seven weeks to go. Yeah. I only need four, three, four weeks of sparring because of the type of training I do. And I don't need to spar eight weeks. No, I only need three, four weeks of sparring. So I've been smart by it. Obviously, the British Boxing Board send their circle after you you get stopped and, you know, you have to obey the laws and the rules and stuff. So we got one of the best governing bodies in the world yeah. in Britain. So, you know, you follow the rules. And i got a proper medical team around me as well. You know, people, i got medical professionals around me who make sure, you know, because sometimes you might want to get back in. You get people around and say, no, 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 you need to chill. And mm. I trust them and I listen to them, you know. Dillian, do you feel now that you've lost the Povetkin, you've lost that, that, that mandatory position, um, do you feel now that you're in a must-win situation? Like, even though you've only lost 
the couple of fights, do you feel that this now is a must-win situation to keep that opportunity of fighting for that world title? I feel like that every fight I've had my whole career, every single fight I've had my whole career has been must-win. You know, no fight ain't been like, oh, if you lose. Because like I say, I, I'm not an Olympic champion. I'm not even an ABA champion, you know. I never had no big promoters behind me lately. Obviously, Sky Sports and Matchroom and The Zone and stuff has got behind me and stuff. But, you know, I'm still that guy that's coming from the, the, the coming through the back doors. So, you know what I mean? All of all of my fights is must win, man. Unfortunately, you know, I, that pressure has always been there and you ain't going to go anywhere anytime soon, you know? Mm. Well, one thing... And I want to win. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, one thing that I will say is that the way that you've dealt with it and the way that you've fronted up about that defeat has been quite refreshing because there was another heavyweight earlier on this year who, who was beaten. Um, and nobody's seen anything from him. So I think um, that, that goes a lot, long way with fans. I think people sat at home watching you on TV and listening to you on the radio and what have you. That only, uh, that only grows your popularity, the way that you fronted up about mm. it. I don't do things for the fans or for the TV, you know, stuff like this. I do it because this is me. This is who I am. Yeah, yeah but that's I'm not, authenticity. I'm not someone, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm not someone that's going to lose and stuff. say, oh, I lost because there wasn't any crowd. I lost because... Um, I changed my head coach. I lost because of this. I lost. There's so many reasons and stuff I could have come up with and said, ah, oh, I wasn't used to fight without crowds. Obviously, I fell out with my head coach. And no, I just blame myself. You know what mm. I mean? Obviously, I got myself to blame. And that's the best way to, to fix this situation and to improve and to get better. So obviously, accept responsibility and get on with it. Yeah, I see you immediately after the fight, actually, mate, walking back to the dressing rooms and, 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 and you straight away, you said, you know what, this is boxing, it happens. And you, you seem really cool about it. And I, said, I went back with the guys that, that evening and I said, you know what, that's going to hit him tomorrow morning. He's going to be really down about it. We'd done the interview for Sports News the following morning and you were so gracious in defeat, mate. And I, I think that that comes across so well mm. with, the, with the general public. Everyone that I've spoke to about that just said, you know what, he didn't need to put it on the line. He put it on the line and he took it so well I mean you got, you got you get massive respect for that Dillian that's the kind of fight I am that's the kind of person I am and that's the kind of person I've had to become because of my ups and downs in life my life story will and everything you know it's, it's what's led me to this point you know I mean I'm I'm the kind of guy I'm not someone to look for sympathy I've not it easy I don't complain I don't make a fuss I just get on with it I just get in there you know I'm fight, listen I'm fighting these guys that's 20 times more experience than me I'm not saying oh well I want easier fights. I want to build up. I'm going to try and... No, I just come to fight. I just come to fight and I want to fight. And that's what I'm about. I'm not about all this nonsense and making excuses and stuff, you know? No, it's refreshing, man. It's good. And uh, we wish you all the best, obviously, with this training camp for uh, for November 21st. Let's quickly talk about management, shall we? Because you've got a couple of lads out tomorrow night doing bits yeah, in, yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in Milton Keynes. Um, I want to yeah. firstly talk about... Um, John Arden Jr., if I may, mate, because his story is unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. And to see him go for an English title tomorrow night, top stuff. You know, John is one of those, you know, that's why I try and help everyone, but I know what it's like to be a nobody, someone who's been written off, someone who everyone gave up on, people who no one's interested in, people who no one don't know, affiliate themselves with because you're an ex-con or whatever. I know what it's like, you know, I know what it's like mm. to be on our side of life, the ups, the downs. So I try and help everyone, but I, I, I got a special place in my heart for people who've come up the hard way, people who've suffered, and people who've been given up on. And I just try and, and give them opportunities, you know, obviously, and try and... It takes a lot of a lot from me to do while I'm still active, but I want to do it. It makes me feel good within myself that I help someone, I change someone's life, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Dylan, you, you've gone into this management role as well. Why you're active, why you're boxing. Is it something that you want to do long-term when you finish your boxing? You're building a really good stable now, and you've got some kids there that are coming through, they're, they're winning titles. I mean, is it something that you want to do after your career's finished? Is that, is that the reason for starting it whilst you was boxing? Well, it's something that I want to do and build. I want to give as much people from all different walks of life as much opportunity and as much... As much, uh, you know, show them that they can change their life. I just want to help as much people as I can. That's one of my main inspiration for doing this. Obviously, I want to win belts. I want to be successful. I want to be well off. But I want to help. I just want to help people and show people that, listen, if I had done it, you guys can do it too, you know. And, and, and that's very important for me, man. It's not just about me and myself, you know. It's only fair that we hear from Frank Warren. I caught up with Frank a little earlier on today. Uh, to discuss the big news that dropped yesterday that Dubois Joyce is happening regardless of fans. We're on. Uh, we'll be announcing the date next week, but it's on. And uh, we're all looking forward to it, my friend. The I think the best thing about this is that it proves that if you want to make a fight and you really want to make a fight, it is possible. So credit, obviously, to yourself and to Sam, but in particular to the two lads. You know, they don't necessarily have to do this. I think it just goes to show that they want to do this. Well, the thing is, like all these things, Adam, you know, uh, we're, in, we're all in a terrible predicament at the moment with this virus. <clears throat> and it's had, a, had an effect on, on everybody, you know, from all walks of life. And uh, the boxers have had to take a bit of a haircut to make it happen. But such was their desire to get the fight on after all this time. That's, that's what's happening now. What does a win in this fight do for the fighter that comes out victorious regarding the landscape in the heavyweight division? Where, where does it put them? Well, at the moment, you know, there's a lot on the line for this because there's all this talk about Anthony Joshua may vacate his WBO title. I don't know if he will or he won't. Mm-hmm. Usyk's the next guy in and the one behind him is Daniel. So that's all on the line. So, you know, it's, it certainly will set up a situation next year where whoever wins this fight will become you know, the mandatory challenger, either for the winner of uh, Joshua and Usyk or for the vacant title. When are you looking to be confirming the date? I've heard that it may be 28th of November, 5th of December. It's one of those two. When you're looking to confirm that? It's, it is. It's one of those. We're just trying to sort a couple of things out at the moment. It's, it's the other fights, the other shows that we're... Sorry, the other fights on the other shows that we're sorting out. We're also working on... Uh, hmm. Hope we're going to get it over the line. Anthony Yard's fight with um, Lyndon Arthur. Yeah. And also we've got that great rematch between um, Mark Heffron and Denzel Bentley, which was a cracker of a fight. So we've got those and we're just as I said, working on um, working on the dates. Once we've got them finalised next week, we can announce you know, who's boxing where and when. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the meantime, we have, you know, everybody signed up for the uh, for the big one. You, you just mentioned Mark and Denzel there. The first fight was absolutely fantastic. I mean, just the way that that ebbed and flowed. I think every single fan wants to see it again and again. I must give credit to both of those guys for wanting to do it so quickly to get straight back in the ring and to and to settle the score after uh, after a draw. Well, they both stepped up to the plate. They both feel they got a point to prove. It's funny. I took talked to a few people Adam, about the fight. You know, people discussed it. So many people have said have had a different opinion. Who won? Yeah. Because it's how you look at a fight, how you, how you score a fight. And for the judges, you know, it's all score a draw. I've never seen that happen before. All the judges give a fight as a, as a draw. Yeah. Um, I, and I, actually, I actually felt it was a, it was a draw. 
having said that, you know, they, they'd want to put the record straight. They both feel they won the fight. So uh, we get it back on. What the great shame is, it wasn't in front of a live audience. Could you imagine what the atmosphere would have been like with that? It would have been absolutely fantastic. It would have been absolutely fantastic, of and course. And it, it deserved the live audience. No, it did. Um, you just mentioned Anthony's uh, name there. Obviously, he was out recently. And I thought he was fantastic. He had a little bit of a look for three minutes. And then after that, I thought he was absolutely sensational. I know that you want to get him back in, um, challenging for world titles at some point soon, because that division seems wide open, especially the WBO route. Um, I know that they've sanctioned an eliminator, haven't they? Which might then end up fighting Joe Smith. But how far away do you think Anthony is from getting back in, back in that mix? Well, as you say, his last performance was... I thought he boxed really well. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a controlled performance and he just stepped up every round, you know, just just took it up a notch. And then when he put his foot on the gas, he did what he had to do. Um, look, he's got a tough fight. Lyndon Arthur is undefeated. You know, Pat Barrett trains him. Yeah. Pat's no four. You know, Tundi looks after, manages and trains uh, Anthony. So, you know, both of them, all, everybody concerned has got a lot on the line for that one. And the winner who comes, the winner of that fight when they come through, there's some fights to be made next year and hopefully it'll be a world title fight. Lyndon himself's highly ranked, isn't he, with the WBO? So therefore you would think that, again, going back to what I said about Daniel and, and Joel, the winner of this would be in prime position to be challenging for that WBO strap. Exactly. You know, when when the, when the guys, two guys fight out of the top 10, it automatically moves them up the rankings for the winner. Yeah. So there is a, is a lot on the line for them. These are fights. I mean, the fights we're putting together now, I mean, when you look at them, there's there's so much. It's not just about oh we you know it's a great it's a fighter, but it's so much at risk for everybody. Mm-hmm. Every single fighter in these fights has got a lot to there's a lot to gain and there's a lot to lose. And what I've noticed, you know, in all these lockdown fights, including you know matchrooms as well, their their shows, they've been so competitive. All the fights have been quite competitive. I take into consideration what happened with, uh, with Josh Taylor, that he caught a guy, you know, with a, big, with a, a tremendous shot. I mean, there was a bit of James Cagney about it, the way he was rolling around, but, <laughs> but he done it, you know, he done what he had to do. Um, and I think other than that, they've been, they've all, everybody who's come here has really, you know, who's, who's got in the ring, they've absolutely put it all on the line. Mm. Even going down the cards, you know, down the card, there's been some upsets. Yep. And, uh, and it's my big, you know, I keep banging on about it. It's my big theory that away fighters, there is no away fighters now. They're not going into the lines then. They're just going into a neutral venue. Frank Warren speaking to me a little earlier on about uh, British boxing being back. And it feels like it's, uh, it's getting to a place that feels all familiar, Spence, especially yeah. with the announcements of big fights. We've just mentioned Dubois Joyce there, AJ Pulev, December. And you've got these other fights as well that we're talking about, Usyk and Chisora. It just feels like it's getting back on its feet again. Yeah, it certainly does. I think that, you know, you've got to take your hat off to Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren for bringing boxing back under these really difficult circumstances. You know, financially, both guys are losing money, putting these shows on without any crowd because that's where the promoters earn a lot of their money. Yeah, they get a little bit of TV revenue, but that's not covering the costs of some of the fights that they're putting on. They're putting top fighters out there who get paid well to to box. So you've got to take your hat off to both guys. I think they've done an amazing job. Frank Warren's doing brilliantly, as is Eddie Hearn. And, um, yeah, it does feel like 
like boxing his back and like like say well, these big announcements happening now we've got Joyce um, Joyce Dubois being announced as well and you know Joshua being announced Derek Jezora Rusik announced Dillian White announced I mean they are mouth-watering contests they are exciting contests so a credit to these guys for you know getting these fights back on the loopholes they've had to overcome to make this happen and give the boxing fans what they yeah. need is incredible so yeah respect to both guys no, absolutely. Um, in around about half an hour, we're going to be speaking about tomorrow's card in Milton Keynes, which obviously features Joshua Boazzi. Frank mentioned Anthony Yard there, who's going to be fighting Lyndon Arthur. Again, highly ranked um, with the WBR uh, in that light heavyweight division. The, mm-hmm. the one for me, and this is no disrespect to Lyndon Arthur because he's a top, top fighter, just because of the characters, just because of the narratives and, and things like that, and the way that they're both positioned in different um, sanctioning bodies, Josh Boatze ranked well with the WBA and IBF, and obviously Anthony Yard with the WBR. If one of them can can get their hands on some version of a world title in the next 12 to 18 months, that is some fight to make down the line, isn't it? Boatze against Yard? Absolutely. That's the fight that we all want to see. I think that's the best fight, actually, in British boxing. I mean, besides uh, Joshua and Fury, which yeah. is another fight we want to see. Um, yeah, I think that's one of the best fights in British boxing to be made at the moment. And it will be a fight that's made in the next 12 to 18 months. I'll tell you why it will be. Because one of those guys will win a world title. I think they're, you know, they're both quite close to getting a world title shot again. Joshua Boatze is fighting tomorrow night against Marco Kalik. Um, mm-hmm. that, you know, he's taking on an unbeaten fighter, a guy who actually beat Alan Babic um, yeah. twice as an amateur. You know, so he, he's not taking an easy route. That's a tough contest for him. He's a tall guy. He's rangy. He hits a little bit. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big gamble for Boatsy, but I think Boatsy's that special. I really do. I don't think he's just one of the best prospects in this country. I think he's one of the best prospects in the world. And I think Anthony Yard's proved himself on world level against Kovalev. You know, I think that inexperience let him down. He had to fight one in round eight. Um... And like I say, experience let him down, and he, and he gassed himself out a little bit. And Kovalev used his experience to take it and took it over. I think if the fight happened again, Yard would win. So yeah, for me, them two guys. I mean, who wins that fight, Boatsy and Yard? I mean, Adam, you tell me because I I really wouldn't. I would not like to put my money on that. No, not at all. It's, it's an absolute belting fight. And as I, as I look at that division, I don't, I don't know how you feel about this because. I know that you've, uh, we're going to hear from Kala Sauerland um, a little later on in the show, and I know that you've spoken to him. They've just concluded the World Boxing Super Series cruiserweights, haven't they? Yeah. And if you look down all the weight categories of, of, of weights that maybe don't get the limelight that they should because there's a lot of elite-level top operators in there, maybe cruiserweight is one. But I look at light heavyweight on a world level, and I tell you something, mate, there's some sharks in there. There's, that's a killer there's full of killers in that division. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I mean, look at the fighters that we've got here. You mentioned Oof. that. You know, we've got Boatsy, we've got Yard. Let's not forget Callum Johnson as well. Absolutely. I mean, this guy's dangerous. He's heavy-handed, he's strong. He had Baturbiev going. He, he had him going. He did, and he wants his shot, and he wants his shot against Boatsy. He wants his shot against Yard. He wants to be recognised. You know, I know Joe Gallagher wants that as well. So there's some mouth-watering contests, some mouth-watering contests here in the British shores, let alone world level. Um, yeah, really exciting division. And, and and you talk about divisions and, and, you know, packed with talent. If we look right down right down the board, actually, going from heavyweight right down to flyweight, I mean, there's an argument that every division, you know, if you look at their top ten in every division, it is stacked with talent. Boxing is really thriving at the moment. Adam, I've been involved in this sport for a long time, <laughs> a long time, and I can't ever remember every 
weight category having so much uh, such depth of talent I mean it's it's mind-boggling and we, and and that goes back to the amateur gyms if you go back to the amateur gyms and you see what's going on there and I think a lot of this was 2012 yeah. with uh, Anthony Joshua and Nicola Adams and and Luke Campbell winning gold medals and I think that then just really created an appetite for young kids wanting to box and now we're seeing those young kids coming through developing going through the grassroots and, and stepping it up the talent in boxing at the moment is incredible I mean yeah that, that's, I just can't believe it a little earlier on Spencer you caught up with a Dom the chief <laughs> <laughs> the Don yeah we love we love Callis Sauer now we really do and it was a great interview actually absolutely um Callis Owland, obviously, um, a major part of the World Boxing Super Series, which concluded last weekend. Maris Bredis became the IBF Cruiserweight Champion and picked himself up the massive Muhammad Ali Trophy. So Spence caught up with Callis to talk about upcoming plans for upcoming tournaments. Let's hear it. What's the secret of the success of this tournament, mate? I mean, we've had some great fights. Taylor versus Progray, Fight of the Year, Callum Smith, George Groves, Usyk Gassiev, Inoue Donair. I mean... You keep producing the goods. Spence, I don't do it. The fighters do it. The fighters do it when they sign up. And the, the secret of the success, it's not like Heinz catch up with the uh, <laughs> unknown quantity of what you put in it. This is very simple. Best versus the best. No messing about. There's no tune-ups in it. It's just the best against the best. Last week, again, number one against the number two of the division. What you get? A great fight. Mm. And... um and uh, incredible. I mean, Breedis was was sensational. Dawes, of course, always dangerous with that big right hand. But Breedis, what a counter-punching performance. Uh, so rounded up uh, a great season too. I mean, if you look at it, we produced last year out of the top five fights in the world, we produced the number one fight in Inouye Donaire and arguably the number two fight with... Uh, with Josh Taylor against Regis Progress. And um, it's, it's simply down to one thing, putting the best in against the best. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a certainty. And, and what's your plans for season three, Keller? I mean, what's the plans for the World Boxing Super Series? Can we see this heavyweight tournament that's possibly been talked about? I mean, listen, if AJ versus Fury happens, it's been mentioned and it could happen in 2021, we've got a lot of good heavyweights just hanging around waiting for a shot. A World Boxing Super Series would be great, wouldn't it? Spence, you're, speak, you're, you're preaching to the choir. Listen, me and you, we spoke on your podcast in, um, in February. Mm. And in February, we were pre, obviously pre-pandemic, so to speak. And um, we, had, we had season three locked up, ready to go. And we were looking very, very much into the, the, the flies, the super flies. And, uh, and, and the females were, were big on our list as well, along with a few other weights. But those were the two, let's say, the front runners. The pandemic has thrown everything in the air. They've, it's created opportunities for us that where we see we can think a little bit outside the box of the norm. And, of course, the heavyweights, you know, we, I sort of put, um, put a thing out there a couple of weeks ago. The response has been insane. Uh, I mean, it was just literally a, a tongue-in-cheek remark. And, and it sort of, we've got polls going in. We've got experts coming up with a lineup. So I don't really need to do my job. I can sit on the couch for the next six months. <laughs> but, it's, it, you know, it's all done, sealed and delivered, uh, according to certain people. But... It's one of one of several weights we're looking at. It, is, it's, it would be a break away from what we normally do. We normally look to 
to create that answer in the division. Who is the definitive best in the division? That would be a little bit different, of course. Uh, it's based on, um, you know, obviously uh, Fury versus Joshua tangoing twice next year. Um, you know, the rest of the division, it's a great division at the moment, isn't it? It's an exciting division. It's got a lot of depth. And when you've got a lot of depth, that's when we come in because you need depth to do these tournaments. You can't have just one or two good guys in the division. No one wants to watch paint dry. No one wants to watch fights where you know before who's going to win. And, you know, the heavyweights have got huge depth. There's other divisions as well. There's also the females. You know, we put that one out there. You know, the females have come on in leaps and bounds. And, and there's also so much depth in them weights, you know. And um, it, it, there's two weights of the females even that you could do it at, at the moment. So, you know, you look at the, at the sort of the, the, the super feathers and the, and the, and the welterweights, both probably at catch weights, and you, you get great tournaments out of it. Look at the middles, still look at the super flies, the flies. So there, there is quite a few divisions. It will take us a few weeks now to... We're back at the drawing board, so to speak. We we have been working through the pandemic on, on looking at it, but it's difficult to assess once you see the fighters back out like they are now. It's great to see boxing back. It'll be even better when the crowds come back in. Um, and, you know, we, we crack on and do our job, and we're looking forward to kick it off in, uh, in, the, in the first part of the year, next year. So, so there's, um, there's talk of work at the moment. Sure, there's talk of fury... Boxing Wilder in December. That fight's still not being signed at the moment, but that fight's still meant to be happening. And we got Joshua versus Pulev in December as well. These, but those guys come through. Then there's talk of them two getting together in 2021. So your tournament, the World Boxing Super Series, could act as a final eliminator, couldn't it? With the likes of Usyk, Bavetkin, Dillian White, Dubois, Andy yeah. Andy Ruiz Jr., yeah. Michael Hunter. I mean, that would be yeah. brilliant, wouldn't it? With the right to fight I mean, the winner. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I put, I put down in about one and a half minutes 12 to 14 names and every single one of those names you'd agree with me could go in and you know you can look at the depth in, in the heavyweights at the moment there's loads of exciting things there you know, there's curveballs we could throw in as well you know we have you didn't mention the name of the actual WBA regular heavyweight champion at the moment that's Manuel Char now mm. I'm not saying that Manuel Char is a world beater but he does have that belt and you've got Philip Hergovic as well. As well. He's, he's, he's hovering around uh, the fringes. Hergovic, you know, Hergovic is, is the man in the coming in the division. Uh, like Dubois as well, like Joyce potentially is. Yoka came back last week with a strong win. And then there's other but you know, look at people like Otto Wiling who had that close fight with, with, with Tyson, you know. So you know, there's so much depth. F.A. a Jagba. You know, I, I mean, his names, it can go, you could, you could honestly go down to a 12, 14 um, uh, name list and, and every single one of those names would make sense to go in. Callis Allen speaking to uh, Spencer a little earlier on in the show and it's just obviously got us all salivating now and I'm writing down names of people that we would like to throw into a heavyweight World Boxing Super Series tournament. I'm sure you've done the same thing, Spence. Um, for me, I mean, the beautiful thing, and, and Callis brought this up in the conversation that you just had with him there, they are... The design of the World Boxing Super Series is to give you a definitive answer once it's all concluded who the number one is in a particular division. And we've seen that happen mm -hmm. countless times over the last two years. It's been absolutely sensational. It's been really, really good to see. No politics, no nonsense. Let's just have it. Best against the best. And, and hopefully that can continue. But you, you're right in what you've just said there. If AJ and Fury are all tied up for a couple of fights, and we want that to happen, of course we do. Um, we mentioned earlier on in the show, there is a WBO situation. 
if that belt became free, if it became vacant, what's to say that the World Boxing Super Series couldn't have that belt as part of the eight-man tournament? Absolutely, totally agree with that. You know, I think that that's that is a, that is a likely possibility. Or if they if they allow Joshua to keep that WBO belt, if they, if they decide not to go for it, Usyk decides not to go for it, Dubois decides that they, you know he's happy to let it go, and we do get this World Boxing Super Series on. I mean, how good would that be, Adam? You know, Usyk, Bavekin, Dillian White, Dubois, Andy Ruiz Jr., Michael Hunter, Joseph Parker, Hergovic, Luis uh, Ortiz. The list goes on. Do you know what I mean? There's a depth of talent there. And that would be an unbelievable... Because, look, I don't think we'd ever get a World Boxing Super Series if you, with the likes of Joshua and Fury in. That wouldn't happen. But what, like we say, if, they, if them two, if they do get it on, they, there is big talk of those two getting it on in 2021. And if they fight twice in that year, that's their year pretty much out. Man, I would love to see that. I really would love to see the World Boxing Super Series get those guys in there and get it on because the winner of that contest then would actually be, uh, you know, the rightful person to fight the winner of, of, of AJ Fury. I mean, it would be mouthwatering, man. I mean, uh, listen, anything can happen right now. The world we live in now, it's a crazy world. And that, you know, getting a World Boxing Super Series heavyweight tournament on would be insane. It would be. And I know that you mentioned a couple of weight categories there to you, the, the lower guys with the, the flies and the super flies and obviously uh, some of the girl weight categories as well. The one weight category that I would love him to get his hands on, and it won't happen just because of the politics and the way that it's set up in America, the one weight category I want him to get his hands on is the welterweights. Mm. Because I want a conclusion to who's the best, Errol Spence, Terence Crawford. That's what I want. Yeah. I know we're lucky that we're getting something special in the lightweight division, aren't we, with Lomachenko and Lopez in a couple of weeks' time. We're lucky that it looks like Josh Taylor might fight Ramirez or Jack Cattrall's in there as well, but you would think every single belt in mm -hmm. the super lights would be on the line as well. So we're getting it. We're getting the best against the best in some weight categories. I would love him to get his hands on the welterweights. Absolutely. Listen, I think um, Errol Spence and Terence Crawford is oh. a fight that everyone wants to see. You know, if you're if, if you're a, if you're a boxing pugilist, a hardcore boxing fan, that's the fight that we want to see. We want to find out who's number one out of those two. Everyone's got different opinions on who's the best out of those two. Look, I think the fight will still happen, Adam, if I'm honest. And I think this pandemic, by the way, has pushed these fights closer than ever because that people now recognise that they just want to get these fights on. They want to make these unification fights. They need to make it happen. You know, these fighters are hungry because the boxing's been on hold for six months. These fighters are hungry to get out there and they, and they want to showcase their skills against the best. So let's hope we get that fight next year. Man, could you imagine that? That'd be amazing. Hopefully, hopefully we're allowed in to the arena, mate, because I don't want to be watching that on an armchair. <laughs> I, want, I, want, I want to be ringside to be watching Absolutely. that. Absolutely. It should be a cracking fight. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Something different for you now. Love Island star turned pro boxer Jack Fincham will be making his super middleweight debut on November the 10th, live on BT Sports, uh, as part of the Boxer Tournament. I caught up with him a little earlier on this week to talk about that, and this is how it sounded. You've been open about mental health. And I've I've spoken to quite a lot of fighters at the very top end, guys a little bit lower down the food chain. How, How important have you found boxing being back in your life to be able to not just from a physical point of view, get lose weight and look mint and get yourself in great shape, but also from a, from a mental point of view as well, help out. I've always said like in anybody that I've spoken to that boxing for your mental health is the best thing possible. Like it's, it's controlled aggression. You know, you come out of there, the endorphins are rushing, you feel good. You feel like you've accomplished something. It's not, like, I mean, I've never been one to want to go in a gym and lift weights because I think, like, what have I accomplished? Oh, yeah, look, I can go back. Like, it's, you know, you're coming out there and you go, right, I'm fitter, I'm stronger. You know, I'll I, I land in more shots this time. What I was, the, the, the shot or the footwork I was working on last week, I've bettered that. So you're always bettering yourself each time. And for my mental health, it's just, it's just been amazing. Like, I was suffering really bad, like, with my anxiety, which I've had since early teens, you know. I have to take medication for it and stuff. But like now, it's, since it's been training, it's almost non-existent. Do you know what I mean? How, how bad did times get, man, over the last 12 months, 18 months? How, did, how bad did it get? Uh, it was probably over the last like, six months. Probably probably lockdown didn't help me because yeah. it just threw me in routine and I don't like change. And from then, I just felt down. Nothing felt the same when you went out. And I just felt, I was like, I was like when's my next bit of work going to, gonna come in and then just out on top of other stuff and stuff in my personal life it just got really on top of me and I just didn't really want to go out I didn't want to get up didn't want to exercise was eating crap and I just yeah and then this opportunity come up and I just thought you know what like if I don't do it now I'll never do it and I'll throw myself into it 110% why Ben Davison because obviously for those that don't know He's the guy that's going to be uh, going to be looking after you. I do a TV show with him on Mondays, right? And we have a great time, good fun, yeah. loads of banter. But when it comes yeah. down to boxing, yeah. he takes his boxing very, very seriously, man. Ben, so- I, I, when I first met Ben, I called him the Rain Man of boxing. Like, <laughs> he's a genius. He's a genius, and like, we was we was actually sat calling certain things light bulb moments. Like, he took he went. For example, he told me a certain move. I knew how to do it, 
but then he went right do it this way bang 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 oh my god like it was just there's so many things like there's little little tiny movements tiny movements he's like I've learned I've learned so much with him in the last sort of two three weeks than I have in years and years of boxing and like for me he's the but there's there's no better trainer in the country so I actually feel like honoured sometimes to even be in the in, in the same gym as them lot and like I pinch myself when I when I was sitting next to Josh Taylor just yeah. chatting at one point just chatting with Josh Taylor like for me because obviously as a boxing fan he's a, he's a hero of mine you know being around like Lee McGregor I've been training with him training with um, Shabazz Masood like top 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 draw fighters and you pick up stuff and you pick up the work rate and like it and there's so many pinch yourself moments to be training with Ben but yeah like like you said when with boxing he takes it very very seriously and his knowledge is I've, ne I've never known a man to have so much knowledge and he sees things that I would never have seen mm. until he shows you and then you go oh my god like how did you even notice that and he tells you things that they're gonna that are gonna happen that he's not seen before that actually happens it's it's mad yeah, so yeah. like yeah, being with that, being with him, mate. God, that, that's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Honestly, and, and, and like you said, the guys that he's working with, worked with, and now working with Josh, that must mm. have been the last couple of weeks. Must have been brilliant because Josh has been in the gym. Obviously, he's been working mm. towards his fight with Kong Song. He comes through his fight with Kong Song, and I know he's out the gym right now whilst you're going through this. Yeah, but cool. just being around it, mm. that that must be. That must be unbelievable. That 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 feeling to be around that on a day by day basis. It, being being around the pro fighters that I'm around on a day to day basis, and Ben and the team around Ben, and you know David and Trish and everyone, it's it's just it's just amazing. It makes you you know you know you're in safe hands for a start, and like it makes it feel real. It's like mm. and and that's why I want people to take me seriously as a boxer because I can box. I've been around the sport. And I'm going to prove on the night that I can box. And it's like, but being around that, it's like, wow, I, I do. I'm start. I'm now believing in myself that yeah, you're a boxer. This is what you do. This is my job now. Like I go to, I train twice a day. This is this is this is what I do. I'll come home, chill out, sort out about eight thousand dogs, and then go back home, go back, spa, come home, go to sleep, and do it again. And I'm going to be doing that until I fight. Tournament boxing's really took off with the World Boxing Super Series. Obviously, the MTK, uh, MTK Golden Contract. And now we've got yeah. this super middleweight uh, boxer Box, yeah. tournament, which you're involved in on November the 10th, mate. I'm looking at some of the guys that are involved as well. There's no mugs yeah. in there. There's some good guys no, in there. There's too. some good fighters in there. Very good. So what, why choose a tournament format to make your pro debut? Do you know what? Uh, it just came off of the back, to being totally honest with you, it just came off the back of me working on that show as a presenter with yeah. Paulie and, and um, Layla and Will. And then they kind of got mentioned loosely. And I thought, well, what? You know, and I, even being around Florian Marku, like, I talk to him now as well. Like, I just thought, you know what? Like, this would be a good show to fight on. It's got some eyes on it. Mm. And... I work with the team anyway. They've got access to good trainers and they've got, you know, they've got good relationships with people in the boxing world. What better what better show to fight on? And that, that was kind of my thinking, you know, rather than go. And also as well, like, the, I think it's a better audience for me, you know, as a pro for a pro debut, like, because people that watch that show like a bit of explosiveness and they want to see a bit of action, you know, whereas I think... You know, doing a, a show 
in, in York Hall, you'd get a lot of, you know, diehard boxing fans going, what's this idiot doing in here? But then after I proved myself on here, which I will do, then I, I, I'll start boxing on shows like that as well. There you go, Jack Fincham catching up with me a little earlier on. Um, you've known him for a, a period of time, mm-hmm. Spence. Spoken to him a few times. Obviously, he shot to fame with the with the reality TV show. But the kid knows his stuff. He's been doing this since he was twelve years of age. He's uh, he, he he competed uh, quite well when it came to the, uh, the amateur game. Yeah, he did. You know, he, he he had quite a good amateur record. I think he had twenty odd fights as an amateur. He went away from the sport. He got into other things such as Love Island, etc. But the passion for the sport and the love for the sport was still there. He's making his professional debut. And by the way, he's working really hard. If you look at his Instagram and stuff. Mm. The Guy's going through it. He's not. He's not having it easy. He's sparring hard. He's working hard. You know, give the geezer a chance. I think that you know, he's he's a good little fighter. I'm looking forward to following his progress. No, absolutely, mate. That all goes down uh, November the tenth. It is the boxer tournament, and it's there's some decent names in there. Zach Chelly's in there, and he mentioned Florian Marquez as well. Some decent little lads in there. Uh, well, I say little lads, super middleweight. They'll be going at it uh, on November tenth. Should be cracking. On Wednesday night, we had a bit of midweek action. Um, it was, of course, the conclusion to uh, the super lightweights in the uh, in the MTK golden contract. Sadly, we uh, we lost out on the Walsh and uh, Jazza Dickens fight, which I think a lot of people were uh, looking forward mm. to. Obviously, Jazza Dickens and Derry Matthews getting COVID. Hopefully, they're on the well well on the way to recovery, and we can get that fight rebooked. Uh, but the super lightweights did go ahead. Ahara Davis had his hand raised. He uh, he, he got a majority decision against Tyron McKenna. Uh, and a couple of days after the fight, I caught up with him. I had a bit of a chat with O'Hara, uh, talking about him securing uh, the contract. And we had a look back at that famous fight against Josh Taylor, where he's admitted this week that he quit. Take a listen. Talk to me about the fight on Wednesday night. What? How How, how do you look at it? Um, obviously, it was a majority decision. One judge saw it as a draw. Two judges gave it you by by two rounds. When you were in there, how did you feel? I felt like... I probably lost only one or two rounds of the fight. I feel like I was winning the fight quite comfortably. Um, I thought the whole fight in gear one, I had another two or three gears in me. I wasn't throwing combination shots. I just thought, well, you know what? I don't need to make hard work of what can be easy work. And I was finding him so easy. I was just thinking, you know what? Let me just throw, you know what? I'm just going to throw the jab. I could have thrown a jab to cross the hook. I had all these different shots that I could have thrown, but... But the work that I was really doing, mm. it was just working. So I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to go through the whole fight in gear one and just win the fight in gear one. So when I heard that the first judge said that it was a draw, I was literally so shocked. I was thinking, how the hell did he come out with that conclusion? How the hell? How on earth? And then the other judges had me up by only two rounds. I thought I was up by a lot more than two rounds. But at the end of the day, it don't matter because I felt like I won the fight and I've got the victory, so that's the main thing. Absolutely, man. Listen, I saw, I saw your um, post-fight interview with Coogan, and obviously you're talking about watching the Taylor fight on the morning yeah. of the fight on yeah. Wednesday. What what made you do that? What what put you in that position where you felt that you needed to watch that on the morning of, uh, of Wednesday? You know what? In all these years since that fight happened, I've never watched it, not even a round of it, what? not even a second of it. But on the morning of the fight, I was like, this guy's really going to be coming to win. And I need to I need to remember all the pain that I felt and the humiliation that I felt after I got beat when I fought Taylor, how the whole country laughed at me, everyone slaughtered me online. And I was like, I need to remember how that feels. And I need to know that I never want to feel that way ever again. 
So I need to bring myself back to three years ago and feel every emotion again that I felt. And bear in mind that that's what this guy, Tyrone, is going to be is is going to be aiming to do to me. And I, and I need to do whatever it takes to make sure that I don't feel that pain again and to make sure that it doesn't happen. And that fight, I used it as my motivation to win because I did. I just don't really want to feel the. I just don't really want to feel the pain again of losing. You used the the word quit as well in the conversation with with Coogan, which is. I think really refreshing and I think it shows where you've come in in the mm-hmm. last three years, obviously maturing yeah. in the ring, but mostly maturing outside the ring as well to admit that yeah. not only to the world, but mainly to yourself to be able to do mm-hmm. that. I think he's a big step yeah. forward and can only help you going forward in your career. Yeah, I've, I've never admitted that even to myself, I've always said, even though I had problems breathing in a fight towards the later round because I had a broken nose quite early. Mm. But so I, I kind of used that as an excuse because I didn't want to be known as a quitter, a quitter, a quitter. Whenever anyone said I quit, I'm like, no, I quit because I couldn't breathe. Mm. If it was fine, I would never have quit. But just watching the fight, I realised that I turned my back. And you know what? I remember getting to round seven and I was going to stop that video right before I quit. I was going to stop the... I was going to stop it. I was going to press pause and then end it there. But I thought, you know what? I need to see it. I need to see what happened because I don't remember it in my mind. I don't remember what happened. And when I saw it, I turned my back and I was like, I actually quit. Mm. That's what happened. I turned my back because I didn't want no more. I don't know what it was. Was it fear? Was it inexperience? I don't know what it was. But one thing that I do remember is that it was painful and it hurt me. It hurt, it hurt me. And I feel like I just got to be honest to yourself and just to everyone. Like, don't lie and don't try to be something. I'm not going to try and be a person or try and be something that I'm not, or I'm not going to try and find an excuse. I got beat because of this or because of that. No, I got beat. I couldn't handle it. It got too much for me in there and I quit. So what I need to work on now is I need to work on my fitness. I need to, I need to know how to fight if things get a bit too hard in there. I need to know how to handle that. I need to learn how to handle being uncomfortable inside the ring because that was my first time as an amateur. I only had 18 fights. I was really inexperienced. I had never had a hard fight in a pro. I had never had a hard fight. So when I fought Taylor, that was my first hard fight and it got way too much for me in there. MTK are encouraging you to be yourself, all right? Mm -hmm. And and you don't have to necessarily go OTT when you're, mm. when you're selling fights. And um, I think you're alluding to maybe previous management, previous promoters mm. encouraging you to do those things. And you have mm. said some things that have maybe rubbed people up the wrong way and offended mm. groups of fans or what have you. Do you look mm. back at those times now with any any regret at all? I regret them partly. I don't regret them in a way because it's made me the person that I am now. If I didn't make certain mistakes, then I'd be bound to make those mistakes in the future probably mm. so but because i really made the mistakes in the past i know better now to not make those mistakes in the future but then i regret some of the things that i said you know i look back and i and i'm like i actually said that i'm like that's crazy that is absolutely crazy so i regret the fact that i like that what I, like like for example the liverpool stuff and various things like that Liverpool stuff. when i, I said to someone that like, you were seven pounds an hour i'm like come on come on like throughout my whole amateur career I was on like from like throughout my whole amateur career, I was on job seekers allowance. Yeah. Earning fifty-four pounds a week. Less than seven pounds an hour. Escape me to and from the gym. That's how I lived for years. Until in 2014, 
I got my first ever paycheck in my second fight. I only made £180. I haven't had dough. I ain't got money like that now. I'm not rich. Like, why am I, like, why am I actually trying to call this guy poor? I have to, like, I'm above them. I'm not above them. I'm one of them. O'Hara Davis speaking to me a little earlier on this week after uh, his win in the MTK Golden contract. Congratulations to him. And I'll tell you something, the thing I take away from that conversation uh, there, Spencer, I mean, there'll be people out there that like O'Hara Davis that don't like O'Hara Davis. Mm. That's just life in itself. And he's brought on a lot of those things himself, as he just admitted, with some of the things that he's said, some of the things that he's done uh, and what have you. But what I like about that conversation there is that he's admitting his wrongs. Mm. He's wanting to grow. We all are. We're all the same. You know what I mean? We all make mistakes. He's wanting to grow. He's doing it in front of our in, in front of our eyes. And it's really refreshing that he's admitted those things to himself. Mm. In particular, the quit thing. Because it was obvious that he did that against uh, sure. Josh, Josh Taylor. And I think he will be able to grow now as a fighter because he's come to that realisation. Well, that interview there, was the, that was the best interview I've ever heard Ahara Davis doing, if I'm honest. It sounds like he's grown up. You know, he's taking the sport seriously. Um, and he would have won a lot of fans over there, Adam, to be fair. Like, the, the people that really disliked Ahara Davis for the stupid mm. things that he's done in the past and the stupid things that he said. For the first time there, I think we saw the real Ahara Davis. He, he, you know, he accepted that he's been wrong in, and, and he wants to put those wrongs right. Everyone's entitled to a second chance, you know, and I think that he is definitely, he's a lovely kid. I know him. I know him. I know him. Um, you know, on a personal level. Yep. I got to know him for for many years when he was with Matram. Um, so, yeah, and he's a really nice down-to-earth guy. He tried to play the bad guy, a little bit like, say, um, who can we use? Chris Eubank. Let's use Chris Eubank, where Chris Eubank was the lovable villain, wasn't he? Like Chris Eubank was the guy that sort of, you know, he'd, he'd done that ring walk and he stood yeah. on it and, and he was a little bit of arrogance. And people love to hate Chris, right? And I think that O'Hara Davis w- tried to go down that road, but got it completely wrong. And he was rude, and he was, you know, and, and he insulted a lot of people, and he sort of dug a hole for himself. So he carried on digging. And I think he's sort of grown up, and he's matured as a fighter. And um, you know, he, he got the win there, and won the golden contract against um, Tyrone McKenna. And I think that, um, you know, I think it was, I think it was a good performance under the circumstances. Mm. He scraped through. He could have gone either way. Yeah. The, the judges lent towards him, and and he's got an opportunity to, you know, to to crack on with his career now. So yeah, good luck to him. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome into the arena the challenger for tonight's title from Sheffield and the Yemen. going to get the most hostile of receptions. Always he's come into an adoring public before, but not tonight. Trying to lure Robinson in, no doubt with the aim of counter-punching. He's talking to Robinson as well. Robinson says, OK, then. He's trying to goad him into coming out of that defensive shell, and he's managed to do that, I think. Now Hamid's trying to open up, and look at Robinson trying to close the range. Now Hamid's laughing. I think Robinson always got him. Down goes Robinson for only the second time in his career. An arrogant display. Cocky, you may not like it, but you do have to admire what this young man possesses. And I think the referee stopped it. He stopped the fight as he slipped in the corner and Prince Nassim Hamed is now king. 
the coronation of the young star. Prince Nassim Hamed wins his first world championship. He said he was too strong. Everything his trainers and his manager says, what happened? I was too strong, too fast, and too good, and I'm world champ. Tonight's the 30th and I've become king. But I'm not changing my name to king yet, I remain the prince. The main man, Prince Nazim Ahmed, beat Steve Robinson 25 years ago this week in Cardiff, in Robinson's hometown, in his in his backyard. It was a sensational uh, display against, as uh, Ian Dart was just describing there, uh, a very boisterous crowd. Mm. <laughs> he was the away fighter he, and he went, went there and did the business. He did. He went into the Lions' den to lift the, lift the world title. Listen, I always knew Naz was going to be a world champion. It was a fight that we was looking to to get just before my career ended because he was at featherweight at the time. I was sort of number two in the w, um, WBC um, super bantamweight mm. rankings. So it was a fight that we was looking at and a fight that was being talked about. I think the, the um, British media was trying to build that fight up. But I go back a long way with Naz, you know. I go back we boxed for England together when we were 13 year old kids and we boxed right through until we were 17 then Naz turned over I went and won the ABAs and the Commonwealth Games and yeah. then turned pro after that but yeah we spent a lot of time together we roomed together we we, we become good mates actually then we then we become um, opponents and guys that were potentially going to fight each other mm. and then we stayed in touch afterwards I still speak to Naz quite a lot now as well um where would he rank in my in my British all-time list? I'm going to say that Nazim Hamid in my British all-time list would rank right up there. He would definitely be in my he'd be, he'd be in my top three, definitely. I think um, he well, could even, it, he could even possibly be one. He could even possibly be one. I mean, look, we got Errol Bomagram, who was the original from there. Yeah. I think he was a great fighter. Like, you, I'm just trying to. Um, I'm just trying to break it down, really. I'm just trying to think who would go in at number one. Nazim Hamid, honestly, had so much talent. And I know this because I know how good he was. Um, like, uh, from a kid. You always knew he was going to be yeah. special. Like, I'd be standing in front of him. He never always had that power, but I'd be standing in front of Naz. And I was pretty quick as a kid as well. So I was a bantamweight, and he was a fly, flyweight at the time. So I was actually heavier, heavier than him as an amateur, even though as, as pros he was heavier than me. But I would throw one-two... And somehow, don't ask me how, but somehow, Naz would end up standing behind you and be punching you, like, and you think, how did you get there? You know, how's this kid <laughs> get around, like, you know, and, and move the way that he did? And he used to throw shots from unusual angles. People ask why he developed so much power. Because the shots that you don't see are the ones that you, the, the ones that knock you out. Yeah. And that's what Naz done. He threw shots from unusual angles. He threw them from out far. He jumped in, and he would just catch his opponents unaware, and that's why he would knock them spark out. He was a great... Great performer, man. Yeah, Naz would probably actually actually go down as my my best um, British fighter of all time, maybe. You see, this is a wonderful debate. You've started me now. You've got me thinking of where he would rank it <laughs> in my own g- personal Give me your list. best. Give me your best. Well, I, I can only really go off my own lifetime of me experiencing and watching fights because we've had some wonderful fighters mm. in, in this country, haven't we, from, from, down, from down the years. Yes. But for, for me, from being a fan late 80s, 90s, I would say the best that I have seen, he's most certainly the best that I've seen as an all-round package. Everything about him was captivating, and I most certainly wanted to watch every single Naz fight. Because You're building this up. I'm excited. Well, I'm, he's, he's definitely top three, Whoa. but I, I, I can't put him above. I don't think I can put him above Lennox. Nice. And I, and I don't think I can put him above Joe Calzaghe. Nice. 
just they, because of they what are they're... the top. They are the top three. Yeah. They are exactly that, and they they're the standout top three. Well, put Bomber Graham in there as well. Yeah, he yeah, would, yeah. He'd be in there as well, but. I think that as an all-round package, Bomber never quite got over that final hurdle. We remember Julian Jackson and we remember Charles Brewer. Mm. Um, you know, they were they were a couple of the world title. I think he boxed the world title four times and, and um, come up short four times, Bomber. But you're right. I think that Joe Calzaghe would go down because he retired 49-0. and 0. Um, He beat everyone. Bernard Hopkins... You know, it yeah. was one of the, one of the names on Roy the Jones. list. Beat Roy Jones. Roy Jones. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was I was that ringside that night. That was an incredible performance. Got off the floor in the first round, Madison Square Garden, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, they were unbelievable memories. Um, so yeah, you got to go, Kawasaki. Uh, I think it's difficult because they were two totally different fighters. Of course, Naz yeah. was Naz was the real showman who was actually really exciting to watch. Kawasaki was just really difficult to beat. He had incredible yeah. hand speed and the determination of the guy was like just second to none. He had an unbelievably chanic um, granite chin, Kazagi. But Naz was the showman, man. He, the guy would come in on, you know, on carpets. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Flying carpets. And it would come in like, who remembers when he boxed Kevin Kelly out in New York? The dramas that we had it's out there. It's my favourite fight. It's my favourite fight, that fight. Four uh, rounds of madness. Madness. Naz was on the floor a couple of times, come to knock Kevin Kelly's spark out. He'd come in <laughs> with the. It was, Hall- it was actually Halloween, wasn't it? Because he'd come in knocking all the tombstones down, etc. And. And there was dramas going on before that. I mean, look, if you look back, anyone that's not seen Naz that might be watching, um, listening to this, sorry, and has not seen him, go back on a Nazim Hamid showcase reel. Take a look at some of his fights. And when I do that now, I just like, because we, we look at what's going on in the world of boxing today and there's some yeah. great fighters and everything else. But when I look back on some of the fights, I look back on Naz and all that, I think that guy was unbelievable class. As a package, showman, He's got to go down as number one. I mean, like, Kawasaki, there's an argument because of his ability, his boxing ability, but Nazman was... Naz was unreal. I, I, I was... I had a lucky encounter with him earlier on this year with lockdown and what have you. We did, um, I did a, a show with him, right, which was only supposed to last for an hour. But you know that he can talk. It, yeah, it, lasted for, it lasted for nearly three hours and we had to cut a lot of stuff out because he was just waxing lyrical about some of the fantastic things that he did. But one thing that he revealed when I was talking to him and how good would, have, would this have been, Spence, right? So in the, just before he, he, he was fighting Barrera, obviously when he got beat, the, the, there was real talk of him and Mayweather fighting. Mm when Mayweather was coming through as Pretty Boy Floyd. So before he fought Oscar and before he became the defensive absolute masterclass that he puts on, he was knocking dudes out was, was Floyd. And there was a lot of hype about how good he was compared mm. to where, where Naz was at. And they were they were they were attempting to try and get that on, but the weights just didn't mix at that particular well, time. I How think, good would that have been? Uh, I think that Floyd at the time was a super featherweight. Naz was featherweight. Naz didn't want to move up, even though Naz was struggling at featherweight. Mm. He was only five foot three and quite small, and Floyd was a big super feather. I think that's why the fight never made because they couldn't make a catchweight on it. Would have been unbelievable. Floyd wouldn't have come, but at that time it would have been incredible. I, you know, we'd have given Naz a real chance there actually against Floyd at that stage because Floyd was still you know young and still learning. Floyd adapted his style brilliantly. The older yeah. he got, he sort of adapted his style and he sort of got a shoulder roll going and everything else. In his early days, you're right, Adam. He, he, you know, he was a lot quicker, a lot more aggressive, and he looked to, you know, be more explosive and take yeah. fighters out. He had, he was sort of like, yeah, a little bit more reckless than what he became. He, he learned his trade over, over over the years, Floyd. But oh man, I would have loved to have seen that fight and a peak Nazim Hamid versus a peak uh, a, a young Floyd. Wow, man. Oh. Yeah, it's been unbelievable.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 